And that is, O Christ, our true and only light. And here we go on Tuesday, January the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2019, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with us is our good friend, Reverend Mark Smith. Hey, Tom, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I got an email about you. Oh, really? Yes. I hope it was good. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> they said, ignore the email address we gave you earlier. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes. I'm having trouble with my email uh, system. You know so, your new one? Uh, Pastor Mark uh, Smith at... A-T-T... Yes. Uh, dot com, I dot think. com, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Very, that's a nice, neat... The idea that you could get Pastor Mark Smith... Because Mark Smith is kind of a... Yeah, kind of a, a generic name almost. But there's hardly any of them who are pastors. <laughs> I have run into about 20 Mark Smiths, and some of them even have the same middle name. No, if you look in the white pages of St. Louis Dispatch, there's three Thomas A. Bakers. Oh, really? Yes. you got the same problem. Oh. Well, <laughs> it's just even, a couple of Englishmen. It, How did we find our way into the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod? <laughs> Probably by grace through faith. <laughs> That's my guess. Yeah, good guess. Good guess, thank you. Oh, it's even worse on YouTube. You look up Tom Baker, and you get that crazy guy who had the oh, yeah, spaceship yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's also, who, who, was the, who was the televangelist years ago? Jim Baker. Jim Baker, remember him? Uh, no. You don't want to be confused with him. No, I don't remember him. <laughs> Anyway, he was B-A-K-K-E-R. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Boy, oh, boy. Okay. The hymn that we're looking at, O Christ, Our True and Only Light, the background of the hymn is a little extraordinary, for they're not exactly original with Johann Hiermann, who wrote it, but they're based on a prayer toward averting the destructive schism of the Christian religion, That appeared in a booklet issued by Philip Cagle in 1592. And little did Hearman know that the prayer on which he based his hymn was actually a prayer by the Jesuit Peter Brillmacher for the return of faithless and misled Protestants. You know, as I was going over this hymn, it struck me that it would it's a it's a great prayer for the lost. I mean, it's a great prayer for for those souls that we we pray that can be reached with the gospel. And look who is the translator, Tom. Our favorite translator. Catherine Winkworth. Yes. Boy, I'll tell you, she has translated more hymns. Yes. She's going to be one of them that I look up when I go up to heaven. That's She's definitely going to be one lady that we're going to look up here. Yeah, where was I that uh, I needed translators, and they had 14 languages that they could translate from. Wow. In case, where was I? Was I at the post office or someplace? But anyway, they could get somebody to help you. You just told them what language you were, and they would bring that person over. But this, isn't that interesting? It was originally written by a Roman Catholic to bring back the erring Protestants. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, He was a Jesuit. Yes. Isn't that interesting? So, without further ado... I am preaching today, so we'll be leaving early, but we will let you hear the entire hymn uh, near the end of our program. If you would read stanza one. Sure. O Christ, our true and only light, enlighten those who sit in night. 
Let those afar now hear your voice and in your fold with us rejoice. Now we're in the season of Epiphany, but this hymn is under mission and witness. But I think the first stanza gives us an indication why it could also be Epiphany. Enlighten those in night. You know, the light. Uh, The light has come. Uh, That's a, a theme of Epiphany. That's a big thing I'm doing in the sermons, that I'm describing Epiphany as that season where Jesus reveals his proper mission and who he truly was. And a lot of people were totally you know, taken back, they look to his miracles. And I I made this point, um, in fact, it was a question in Bible study that last week it says Jesus did the miracle of changing water into wine. Yes. And it says, and his disciples believed Believed in him. Believed in him, yes. And the lady asked me, she said, you told me that no miracle ever converted anybody. <laughs> oh, she got you, Tom. <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. She got you. <laughs> no, she didn't. Okay, what was your explanation? Uh, Very what... simple. <laughs> it doesn't say unbelievers believed in him. His disciples uh-huh. believed in him. Their faith was was affirmed. Well, they already had faith. Yes. Had they died before Jesus appeared, they all would have gone to heaven. Right, right. Yeah, because they, because they believed the, the in the promised coming Messiah. of the Messiah. Right. Yes, that's right. What Jesus did by his miracles is make it clear that he was a fulfillment of, those of what they were believing. Yes. And if he was dealing a miracle with an unbeliever, they never jumped to the conclusion that he was God. No. Remember the Pharisees when he raised Lazarus from the dead, the unbelieving ones. Yes. They decided to crucify that's him. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the well, how about this lady? Was she convinced with your answer? Oh, yeah. She said, yeah, that's a... <laughs> I said, theology is the art of making distinctions. Yes. And the distinction here is one in which we have to be very clear. Uh, another question came up. I got a question from last week's sermon. You said that Jesus was a sinner. I don't think he was. Oh, oh you mean... Well, he he took all of our sins upon himself. No. In, in in baptism? No, yes. no, I, I okay. even disagreed with that. Oh, okay, all right. What uh, else, so what else is new? Well, no, no. To <laughs> Go stop, ahead. All right, if you stop interrupting <laughs> me, I will. Um, are you sinless? In Christ, yes. All right. Was he a sinner? No. Yes, he was. Uh, a, he was made to be sin who yeah. knew no sin. Right. Right. That is true. And you are made to be sinless, and you've never been sinless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you personally. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Yeah, I've talked to your wife enough about that. But, but I, am, I am cloaked in his righteousness yeah. from my baptism on. But that means you are righteous. Right. In Christ. Always in Christ. Yeah, it's always in Christ. But once we know it's in Christ, then that now becomes our confession. If somebody came up to me and said, do you consider yourself to be sinless? Absolutely. We're sinner and saint at the same time. Well, yeah. Simul justus et peccato. But I don't think we need to always be giving those other options because you want the person to say, well, I know you've sinned. I said, well, that doesn't mean I'm not sinless. Because what we're talking about, remember my goal in every sermon is to get you to think how God thinks. Uh-huh, right. And the way God thinks isn't therefore, well, that's what God thinks about. No, that's what you should think about yourself. 
Yeah, if a person is worried, a Christian, yes, that when they die, they may not go to heaven. Oh, no, no. Then no. they're an unbeliever. Well, well no, they, wait correct. a minute. They, then they're not believing the promise. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. But they, you know, they, yeah, you know, they may just be one of the people that we talk about in this hymn, yeah. the ones that have doubt. Well, and we I, have doubt even in the midst of faith. Is it really just doubt? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's go see. ahead with well, stanza let's, two. Let's go on. Fill, fill with the radiance of your grace the souls now lost in error's maze. Enlighten those whose inmost minds some dark delusion haunts and blinds. Now, that's not just people with weak faith. Those are people yeah. who actually have been lost. Yes, in but, but if you look at the fourth verse, no, it no, says, no, no. confirm not... the weak and doubting heart. You just don't want to be shown that you're wrong, that's all. No, no, we're not <laughs> at the fourth verse. We're at the second <laughs> oh, verse, okay. which I said is talking about lost people. Okay. Yeah. All right. You see, this is where we really disagree with the Calvinists who believe once saved, always saved. No, we don't believe that. No, no, you can be lost, yep. but you can also be brought back. Absolutely. In fact, right. I don't know who's listening to me right now, but I'm preaching today. Uh-huh. And uh, remember the Edomites? Yeah, the Edomites, right. The descendants of Edom, who was Esau. Esau. Yeah, very good. Esau was their ancestor. And the same name translates as red. Red. That's because he was uh, red and hairy when he came out of the womb. Exactly. Well, the Edomites laughed when the Israelites were being overcome by the Babylonians. Yes. They so hated them. Yes. And Obadiah is only a few verses long, but it's all against the Edomites. The That's whole right. Yeah. book. Yeah. I think Professor Paul Robbie wrote a commentary on Obadiah. You know, I'd have to look at that. <laughs> but, he chose Obadiah because it's so short. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Very an excellent commentary on Obadiah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one yet. But um, the point was, and in my sermon, and I hope nobody's listening who's going to be there, but anyway, um, when God takes back the remnant of Israel, does he include the Edomites? Um, if they believe, if they believe in the, in the promised Christ, if, you know, they're Old Testament people, if they believed in the promise, they if they would... were part of the remnant. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And actually, Amos says that. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of interesting. So here's an example, the Edomites, of someone who were lost in heirs maze, and yet they came to faith. Right. Stanza three. Oh, gently call those gone astray, that they may find the saving way. Let every conscience sore oppressed in you find peace and heavenly rest. Yeah, this is kind of interesting that those who have gone astray, that would be like that sheep that got lost, right. went astray. Yeah. And it, it, the Luke, title of the parable is The Lost, lost sheep. sheep. Let's see, Luke 16? 15. Luke 15, okay. Because that's also the lost <laughs> coin. coin and the lost son. S. Yes, the lost sons, yes. Yes. The prodigal son. Yeah. Um, because both were lost. The one was the Pharisee, and the other was one who had lost. But he was brought back, He was too. brought back. 
And uh, it wasn't because he repented. That no. was a false repentance. It was because his father ran out and grabbed him. Right, exactly. And he wasn't expecting that at all. And it totally changed his understanding of the father. The fact is here is that um, this is a big task you and I have as pastors because of the large number of youth who seem to be oh going away from the church. The millennials. The generation of the millennials, not just them, but boy, no. I'll tell you, they are hard to reach, the yes. millennials today. There's a lot of talk, a lot of writing about uh, the challenge of reaching out to the millennials. Yes. And I think the only way to reach out with them, you know, some people say, well, let's get uh, the church doing more activities in the neighborhood because that's what millennials like they like to see us in action and this sort of thing i i really disagree with that i'm not saying the church shouldn't be doing neighborly things but apart from word and sacrament nobody is going to be restored that is correct yes and if the word can restore a guy who falls off a horse named saul and become faithful then that's the only way the word's going to do it what you have to do is kind of wait sometimes for a millennial to get down in the dumps, right, so to speak. Right, and, um, and then you maybe reach at a funeral or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm convinced that the vast majority of millennials have left the church because they were attending churches that were not speaking long gospel properly. Well, very possibly, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, was, I would. I'd be inclined to agree with you. Yeah. You know, you go to a doctor or a dentist or something, you're waiting in the waiting room and there's a book or mm -hmm. a magazine. Yeah. And I picked up the one, uh, it was a Roman Catholic's uh, idea, and I looked up and this priest was talking about that the main goal of a parent should be how to tell their children what to do to get to heaven. <laughs> And the whole article was about being moral. Oh, boy. And not one word about grace no. through faith no. or anything in it. Right. And it's all it, law. It was all law. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, and then that'll turn people off. You know that? It, well, absolutely. Yeah. Because either they'll recognize that they are such a sinner that they're not but able there's to There's no hope it. for them. No hope for them. Yeah. Or they'll agree with the guy and say, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I've already done that. Like, yeah. the, like the rich young ruler. I've already done all that. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And there's there's no need, therefore, for me to have to follow a Savior. I'm just so convinced that so many people leave the church because they're hearing legalism in sermons, yeah. not proper law and gospel. I think it's the most important thing uh, in the sermon. And I'm also, you know, I hear a lot of radio when I go around to these churches and listen to sermons. So many sermons are just summaries of a Bible passage, mm -hmm. like an event. Mm -hmm. uh, I just heard one on the Good Samaritan, and they were thinking that Jesus was the Good Samaritan, uh -huh. which I totally disagree with. Yeah. Well, Martin Charlemagne said uh, it actually is not even a parable. It's an illustrative story. I taught that at uh, St. Paul de Pair one hour, yeah. and unfortunately in the audience was Jim Veltz. 
Oh, big mistake. And he had just... Big mistake. He had written a book. What does this mean? To think mean? you could teach Jim to belts. <laughs> no, no, I can't. And what Jim had in his book, I read it, yeah. is the term parable yeah. can mean like a metaphor, extended uh-huh. simile, this kind of thing. It's just not about the kingdom of God all the time. Yeah, right. So I think he agreed with me that it wasn't about the kingdom of God, but it was a but parable. It was a parable. So I would have loved for him and Charlotte. Yeah, and him and Charlotte to... across the table oh, for no, no. Well, that'll be happening in heaven. I'm going to make sure I get to that table <laughs> and see what they come up with. But Jim's right. The word parable is used in, in Greek just to refer to a metaphor. Uh-huh. It's just, you know, using one example to understand another. And not all of them are about Jesus and the kingdom of God. But that's good you remember what Sean said. Oh, yeah. Said I there. remember a lot of things he said. Oh, boy. Yeah, boy. Two little gems that he dropped in the, yes. in the classroom. Well, next time I do a Bible study, I'll make sure Jim Bills isn't there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, stanza four. All right. Shine on the darkened and the cold. Recall the wanderers to your fold. Unite all those who walk apart. Confirm the weak and doubting heart. Now, you brought that up earlier, that it was the weak and doubting heart, but those are the ones... Who are walking, walking apart? apart. Yeah, yeah, and they're wanderers from the fold. Yeah, well, they they may they may be Christians, but they're uh, they're not walking with us. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't couldn't they be Christians that are in error? There's no doubt that's true, and mm-hmm. that's where we got to be careful with the millennials. Right, right. Uh, the millennials may be still believing in Jesus. Yes. If you ask them, did he die on the? Oh, yes, that's, that's right. But they really disagree with the more moral teachings of the church right now mm-hmm. because they have been under the tutelage of college professors, right. etc., who do not understand the Bible at all. That's right. And, and so you really need to listen and then share with them how God understands what they're thinking about and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Yeah, no doubt about that. It, I mean, it really. This I remember talking about this last time we looked at this hymn. This really hits a lot of different wandering sheep. You know, I mean, it's 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 a prayer for all the those that are wandering or those that are that are that are encased in darkness. And uh, but it, you know, or under the delusion, under of the legalism. delusion, or or just doubting. You know, I mean, there's different. Well, it originally was a Roman Catholic hymn against Protestants. Right, right. <laughs> I see it as a Lutheran hymn against Roman Catholics. <laughs> ask any yeah, Roman Catholic. There might be some disagreement there. <laughs> with, well, ask with, a Roman Catholic, yes. uh, if you were to die tonight, are you? do you think you're good enough to get to heaven? Yeah, right. Whatever their answer yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, they leave doubt there. Whatever their answer is, if they say yes, then they think they're good enough. If they say, yeah. "Well, I'm not sure," yeah. then they're deluded into thinking yeah. that's important. Yeah, we want we want people to be absolutely certain of their salvation. Absolutely, we want that's the comfort of the gospel. It's a, because the gospel is promises, right? Stands and doesn't five. God give us absolutely sure promises? Absolutely. Yes, that they with us may evermore such grace with wandering thanks adore. An endless praise to you be given by all your church in earth and heaven. Wandering thanks? Uh, I meant wondering. Oh, of course you Wondering. Did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's... Wondering thanks. Get the right picture there. Such grace with wondering. Yeah, it's, it's marveling. 
We're marveling at him. Yeah. Let's get the right picture. Then. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Inside joke. Yeah, it's, I'm just a human being, Tom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well so often you sound you sound apocalyptic. <laughs> so are you going to sing this this Sunday? Uh, no, I've already got the hymns picked for Sunday. We are uh, we're remembering our Christian Day School this Sunday, so it's a little bit. I'm oh, going to use the gospel. Some of the but members, we're emphasizing Christian education. Luther. Some of the members forgot about it. Uh, no, no, but it's it's the beginning of Lutheran Schools Week this next week. Oh, it is. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start them off with emphasis on Lutheran Explain schools. Explain a lot of people don't understand this. They think you have an entire school at your church. No. Explain this. We're situation. part of an association of several congregations. Exactly. And you just realized you have to preach this morning. Yes. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to hand you the hymnal. All righty. And then you'll take over from here? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Take no. Over from put, here. A put on the hymn. Put on the hymn? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but tell us where your church is. Uh, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, 8646 New Sappington Road, just south of the Watson and New Sappington Road intersection. Uh, Nine o'clock. Uh, Sunday morning or Saturday at 5. Okay. Till tomorrow, Bible study Wednesday. God bless.
present the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.